Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 233. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. So we have a lot. We have like a we have a, a smattering of, of news today from across different spectrums. 3D printing, virtual reality, mobile, Google killing off projects, and a Kickstarter of a week launched by an ex-Mozilla member. Ooh. So to get into all of this, you know what we got to do? Bring in the professionals. That's right. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello, time for free greetings. Yo. Hello. All right, so buckle up. I, I've been saying, I've been telling Ange for years that when our kids yes. are parents, life is going to be so much easier for them, and it starts right now, right here. Kids will soon be making their own toys with Mattel's $300 Thingmaker 3D printer. And look at that. It's a nice, it almost looks like a toaster oven. Yeah, yeah. Like a retro, <laughs> yeah. easy I like it a lot, actually. Toaster oven type thing. Yeah, I, I could put that on the counter. Uh, and it's a 3D printer with, an, a companion, with a companion app that allows kids to make their own toys. Now, who knows how well this thing's going to be actually like locked down. Like This could be one of those things where DRM throughout. But I kind of like the idea. An online sharing place. They do it now with Minecraft stuff. Mm-hmm. They could do it with real toys. And they could print out. I mean, boy, copyright issues are going to be abound. It's going to be really impressive. They show off like an iPad type app where you design your toy. Huh. Yeah. And then you send it to the 3D printer. Thingmaker will use PLA plastic filament to make its toys, which is a popular material used in most commercial 3D printers. Uh, They say down the road they may embrace other 3D printing materials. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you could get different kinds of plastics. It's called the Thingmaker. I think think the kids could like that. What would you have made? Uh, I would have made like Ninja Turtle-like things really um, as a kid weapons yeah. and stuff uh or bad guys or tried to make uh, other ninja turtles because you know there's gonna be like rip off specs you can use not spaceships oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i was totally... really i was really surprised that you start with ninja turtles <laughs> well i was just thinking because they're playing with action figures in the picture oh i see and i yeah. always wanted another spaceships action, are figure. action figures too you I know so. or action yeah things. spaceships are serious action yes. figures are toys okay <laughs> Okay. All right. Mumbarum, what do you guys think? Is uh, 3D printing going to be the next generation's uh, home toy, or there's still going to be a toy store that kids are going to go to and pick toys off the shelf? Both, I think. Oh, okay. All right, Ham, why do you think? Why, why once, you have, once you have a toaster oven-sized 3D printer, why would I ever go to the store again? I don't know. I just think there might be something about being in the middle of a store full of toys. I think that that's mm. just going to be a thing for a while. Mm. I think if you want to get more than an 8-inch... Yeah, yeah, because there's going to be size limitations, too. Exactly. Uh, who else in the moment? I know somebody else in the moment wanted to say it was going to be a mix. Go ahead. I think it's going to be a mix because I think they might use it just like, so you buy a base toy and then you can 3D print accessories for the toy. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. a, yeah, companion. Yeah, if, if companies companion. are smart, like movie companies will start licensing the, the schematics and then you could print some stuff yes. for the movies as the movies are coming out as a yes. promotional thing. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's going to be an app store for your thing maker mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah look at her wearing a plastic necklace uh-huh of course and he's got a plastic bow tie on the dad does that's in, ridiculous in that is the that. most ridiculous thing i've ever seen <laughs> all right how about this mattel's really gonna hit it out of the park uh are you familiar with google cardboard mm, yes i think we've it's like it. yeah it's like a 20 dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like a, you put your phone in yeah and it yeah. gives you a vr headset and it's actually right. semi-legit uh-huh. it, and it's you know you could build it for yourself you can get real cheap kits online Mattel's using that basic concept. We're still talking about Mattel here, another Mattel project. I mean, they're really going all in here. And they're going to call it the VR Viewmaster 2.0. And it's essentially a plastic, hard case, well-done version for about 30 40 bucks 
of Google Cardboard. Like they've got the headphone jack pre-wired, so it's easy to hook up headphones. They got a various mount sizes, so you can fit different size smartphones in there. It claps shut, and then it has legitimate uh, like a focus wheel, so you can uh, change the uh, view of the of the wow. glasses. Yeah, it's got it's got lenses. Uh, so you, basically, you, all you need is the smartphone, and then this forty dollars VR headset from Mattel, and virtual reality is good to go. Hmm. This is starting to make me think. It's not going to be the best VR, but if you disconnect your concepts of VR from, like, immersive 3D gaming and you think more about content consumption, like sure. Google Street View or 3D movies or, you know, when people take uh, panoramic or spherical pictures with their phone, you can now look at those and actually be in that space. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just thinking when I was on Coda Radio, wouldn't it be fun for us if we – because there's cameras now. They're about $125 and they're a, they're a, they're a bulb. And they sit on a base uh, about the size of a roll of duct tape. And they have a ball on top of them, right? Mm-hmm. And that ball is filled with smartphone cameras, cheap, high-resolution smartphone cameras. And it can take pictures of the entire room in, mm-hmm. one, in one snap. And it takes the entire – it doesn't get the Panoramic. bottom of the room, yeah, right. but it gets, it gets the whole, like, you know, spherical view of the room. And then you could load that in Google Cardboard or your oh. VR application and look at it. How cool would it be for us to say – Five ten years down the road, oh, start a, f- a crime show. No, <laughs> no that would be cool. <laughs> You're right? That was that. That would be cool. But no, to have like a VR of this room. Yeah. Just well, a, yeah. No, get the VR of this room, and then you know, ten years from now, they'll they'll go yeah. into it. And yeah. They'll be like, what's out of place? Yeah. And, and, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that blood splatter yeah. over there? <laughs> they could have a Jupiter Broadcasting mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a real. Actually, it could be a way to do that. Don't but. forget to bank suggest. I just think Mattel is. Uh, I don't know. They're like they're they're refocusing. Any, I don't know. Any any thoughts from the mumble room on VR or Google Cardboard specifically? No. It, it, it's quite good. It's just that there's one problem is that when if the phone if like you scratch the screen or mm. one of the pixels dice, it's really noticeable when you when you're oh. doing the um curve the two picture thing. Flip side to that though is every time you replace your smartphone, you're upgrading your VR quite a bit because usually the smartphone's ah, graphics yes. are pretty improved. Mm. So that's, you know, there's a there's a plus side to it. You're right. And the other problem is, and I noticed this with the S6 and I was using the Gear VR, if you have a lot of smudges on your smartphone, mm-hmm. it can be an issue. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is legitimately a problem. Or if you accidentally lock the screen or the battery dies, there's lots of problems, but the concept's kind of cool. Speaking of problems, Apple's got a problem with the iPhone. Actually, any 64-bit iOS device, and Angela, you're going to be my uh, sort of my barometer. Have you Uh-oh. heard? Have you heard of the January first, 1970 bug? No. Okay, I bet by the end of today, you're going to see posts everywhere about it. I've been watching okay. this over the weekend, and I'm starting to see more coverage of it. So, 64-bit iPhones, iPads get stuck in a loop that basically breaks them uh, forever. <laughs> if you do something as simple as Set the phone's or iOS device's date to January 1st, 1970, and then reboot. Who does that? People who are asking for it. Wow. You know know who does it? That sounds like that. that, uh, Yeah, your iPhone's waterproof. (laughs) You know? Yeah, just drop it in the water. Put it in the microwave. Yeah, put it in the microwave. Yeah, those things. Oh, my gosh. What is the significance of January 1st, 1970? Glad you asked. So, uh, January 1st, 1970 is the Unix Epoch. It's the first day of the Unix epoch. Unix-like systems measure time and dates as the number of seconds since that day. Are you serious? That's hilarious because no cell phones existed. Well, they, it was actually more of they like wanted it's a safe date. They wanted a way to measure time without having to worry about month and day. 
They wanted to be able to just start at a point in time and then and measure the distance from that point of time without having to worry about what day and month it is, so they could just quickly calculate it. Because mm-hmm. back when they came up with this, computers were not very fast. They didn't have, I mean, every right. bit mattered, right? And so the problem is, on this Unix underpinnings of, of iOS, is when you set it back to January 1st, 1970, this thing goes way back in time, before, yeah, before it ever existed. Wow. So uh, taking, a, taking advantage of this bug requires a few minutes of physical access, and it takes, a, you know, you got to go back and set the, uh, the day back 64 years, or I mean 46 years, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there is a potential that maybe iPhones connected to Wi-Fi that are getting uh, time from a server on their LAN. If that, t- if that server was compromised, it could uh-huh. set all the phones back. So that could be one way you could do it to a bunch of phones at once. Jeez. So this, uh, this uh, date calculation that it does is traditionally stored as a 32-bit number, uh, which is going to cause problems in 2038. But anyways, uh, it's currently speculated that 64-bit iPhones are doing something peculiar when handling system times uh, that are that close. So it's a bug only on 64-bit iPhones. Devices affected with this issue can't even be recovered by going into DFU mode and reflashing them. Though it does wipe all your data, it retains the bad date and thus thus the subsequent boot loop. And when I guess when Apple has run into this, ah. they're just replacing people's phones. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And That's they're, they're going to be issuing a uh, patch. Like, probably the next couple days. They need to, because how many phones are they? <laughs> like, people are going to just see. Like, does it do it? Um, did you Do you have in the news at all about the latest Adobe update that broke? The, the deletes Mac files? Yeah. I didn't put it in there, because it was not quite widespread enough, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because Backblaze, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. Uh, down... Or Your backup? Backup, yeah, it was affected. You have Creative Cloud? No. Oh, oh but, by, no, but, but if you yeah, did... Yeah, they contacted me, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, crap, because I had just done the Adobe update like two days before, and, or an Adobe update, not the Creative Cloud, but yeah, yeah, so, but that they've now, if you have that or that problem, they mm-hmm. released a new update that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. fixes it. There is a story about it in the subreddit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that you'll probably see a patch for the iOS problem. I think Apple's even released a statement saying the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. That is so, hilarious. So uh, now should we talk about Android for a sec? Okay. Uh, Android malware that can erase devices remotely is being used in the wild. We might have more about this in TechSnap depending on how much the story develops. Uh, but this is a fun one because it's, uh, it's actually affecting users right now, which is a good one. Uh, so according to Hemdial Security, and I think that's how you say that, <laughs> a message being sent to random phone numbers around the world will give attackers complete control of a device if you click the included link. It tries to get you to click the link by saying that there's a new MMS message that you just have to click this link to go download it, which I legitimately have gotten those from my carrier before. So I I'm, wow. I, I could see that. Uh, the malware had been identified as the Mazar Android bot. It silently retrieves and installs Tor on the victim's phone via legitimate download URLs. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it then unpacks Tor and connects to a specific server, triggering a message to be sent. The researchers lay out a number of ways that the malware gives it control to the uh, attacker and also gives them wider information about what the device is doing in general. Now, of course, like many Android malware, it's a little surprised to learn that the malware is only successful if you've enabled installation from unknown sources. Ha! <laughs> Of course, if you've installed pretty much anything from Amazon or others, like Amazon Prime Video, then you probably have unknown sources turned on. And you should probably go uncheck that if you're not going to continue to use that. Although, if you're using the Amazon Update feature, I think you have to use it. Thanks, Amazon! <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. Uh, also, side note, uh, S6 devices, uh, like, the, like the Edge that we mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. Um, just starting to get uh, Android Marshmallow, which was announced in May. Mm-hmm. Just starting to get the update wow. today. Wow. Yeah. Why so long? 
Well, that's actually remarkably a short period of time for well, Samsung. But could the hardware not handle it? Did oh, no, it have to no, be no, no. Why? They like to cock it up a whole bunch with their own crap and then uh, <laughs> repackage. Yeah, so for repackaging purposes. Yeah, they repackage it wow. up. They you know they, they add drivers to the kernel. They they make specific hardware tweaks. They add their own Samsung oh, knock stuff in and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, right. Rikai, have you uh, have you installed the Marshmallow update? Yeah, I wonder if because he, he's got the S6 right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about something that I think is just kind of interesting, sort of reframe our perspective before we continue on, because we've kind of gotten down in the weeds. So let's go out into the stars and talk about something. I love this. I, you know, you know, it's not like re- wrestling a bear, but Russia is planning to improve their ballistic missiles, not to strike the dirty West, but to destroy asteroids. They're going to launch missiles to destroy asteroids. Russia scientists have developed a project for upgrading intercontinental ballistic missiles to destroy near-Earth meteorites 20 to 50 meters meters in size. The scientists would like to test the improved missile's capabilities against an asteroid that's expected to come dangerously close to Earth in 2036. (laughs) <laughs> wow. How cool is this, right? Like, that is cool. Like, that is a documentary right there. Th- th- right. And also, <clears throat> uh, imagine just the insane freaking bragging rights Russia would get <laughs> right? if they shot down a- an asteroid before it hit the Earth. And they're like, yeah, we just saved all of humanity. What's up? Right. That I mean, that if that nobody tops that, that's bigger than landing on the moon, yep. right? Yep. Well, and then they'd be, they, I, I don't know. Is, is it really to save Earth or is it to be like, yeah, now we can take out the West? <laughs> well, they already can, though. Well, right. okay. they already, they yeah, already can reach true. us, and they've already got like a crap ton of satellites. Like they could already. Mm. So it's I, I, I would imagine, unless it's about striking a war on Mars, I think it really is about <laughs> uh, striking down asteroids. I don't know. That's I don't know. Mumbroom, cool. anybody in the Mumbroom have some conspiracy bacon? What Russia might be up to? Maybe we have Reagan's secret Star Wars program, you know, up yeah. and running by then. Maybe the U.S. is doing something that we don't know about, it, and this is their response. Star Wars is nigh. All right, so. Yeah. It's time to talk about a loss. One that you're familiar with, Angela. <laughs> Google is officially oh. killing off Picasa. Yes! To focus on Google Photos. Holy shiz. I tell you what, if you guys haven't been around this network for the you know the duration of it, I tried Picasa back when I lived here, when this studio was my bedroom. Are you sure yes. it wasn't before here? It might have been when we were I'm at, positive. sure it wasn't when we were at Covington Farms? Positive. Well, you might have started me. No, I'm positive. Well, I'm actually, I might have tried it then, but I tried it again when you switched me to Windows upstairs, when I had my office upstairs. I thought you used it when you were on Linux. Up there for sure. You didn't have Windows. Yeah, I had a Mac and you installed Windows on it. Why did we do that? For, for QuickBook? Oh, oh, for the... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Anyway, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I like to click and drag my photos to my desktop before I post them and Picasa moves them instead of copies them. So I lost a bunch of photos. Unknowingly. And only a couple weeks later did I notice that it actually removes it from the library. And that was really before we had a good backup system in place. Yeah. So I am... Yeah. Well, it was DVDs and whatever. So we did it occasionally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Had to burn old... There were four gig DVDs. It's just the worst. It was like a 4X burner. Uh, So Picasso... Here is the problem with Picasso is there is... There's about three or four solid photo management solutions on Linux. I was always hoping Google would keep Picasa going because it did have some nice features. Um, but Google Photos is the creepiest, best thing about Google out there. <laughs> um, I've been using it just because I want to have – I want 
I want a sir. I've been experimenting with photo services that are specifically dedicated for backing up photos mm-hmm. because when you do that, um, in addition to managing, well, so. the management is sort of secondary for me. I want to have an offsite copy, right? But, uh, and but I want it, when I go offsite, I want it to be. I want it to read the, all the tag information. I want it to yeah. know all the location information. I want it to recognize faces. Yeah. Um, and Google Photos does that so freaky well, Ange. Like. Uh, I, uh, maybe I'll, I won't show it on, cause, but here, I'll show you, just so you can <laughs> kind of get an idea of it. So I'll go into my Google Photos, right? <clears throat> and I can search. Oh, there's lots of nudity. Oh, stop. They haven't even loaded yet. <laughs> I can search now. Uh, you can search. So obviously I can search for faces, wow. right? Look, I can search for faces. Yeah. Uh, places, obvious, not too surprising there, right? Here's where it gets really weird, Ange. I can search for things. Literally things. Ah. I can search for a plate in photos. So That's great. Show me all photos that have plates in them. Uh-huh. I can search for all photos that have fireworks in them. I can search for all photos that are about birthdays. How wow. does it know they're about birthdays? Right. I never told it they're birthdays. But look, that is Belly at a birthday party. Wow. Like, it gets it. They're the Christmas, there they are posing for a Christmas picture wow. we took. Now, there's yeah. nothing really particularly Christmas about that photo, uh, but look, and this right here, nothing says that that's a picture the kids took on their iPad. I didn't right. even take that picture, and it's, but it's right. That is during Christmas. Yep. Wow. Uh, uh, it, and it, so, uh, wow, look at all these pictures they took. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I love it. Um, wow, look at all those selfies you took. That was a burst that Hadia wow. took. I, uh-huh. look, you, I didn't take that picture. That's hilarious. I could get maybe three selfies with you before you got a sour face or an angry face. <laughs> and there's like millions on here. I gotta say, but she took... See, <laughs> yeah, I'm I not holding the camera. I know. Uh, <clears throat> it, but look at that. So uh, it also recognizes... Right, because a it, Christmas tree. Wow, that's messy. It's, it's capable of... It is capable, though, of like in this picture, there's no Christmas tree in this picture, but it recognizes... You can show the live stream that. Okay. Uh, it recognizes. Nope. Uh, it's a uh, we got the Santa hat seat covers and it's a red snowflake tablecloth. Right, and that's what it's going with there. But but uh, and obviously the date. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, like. But it's not Christmas if it's Day. It's in December and there's red. Yeah, that's essentially. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some pretty strong algorithms. And in so there. I never, I never have to do, I never have to do any of that stuff. Now here is here's what that means. Google now knows everybody, every location yep. in a photo with me and everything around me. They're getting so much more data about me. Oh, my gosh. It's at a whole new level. And they are able to make connections to people that I have taken photos with who are not even online. Right. And so now they're getting to see multiple pictures of people in my photos that maybe don't even have Google accounts that they're starting to now track where those people are at. Wow. Yeah. So there's definitely some. I don't know. There is some. Uh, this was a dance party at, at Thousand Trails. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyways, that's... You don't dance. <laughs> well, I did a little bit, yeah, not much. Not much. After extreme pressure. After extreme pressure, I danced a little bit. And a couple drinks. <laughs> no, they didn't have any... I don't think there was any booze. Oh, really? So did you know Picasso goes all the way back to 2002, which might have been no. a couple of, just a couple years after that you were trying it. Wow. Like, yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's the deets, you guys. They're going to shut down Picasso, uh, like, very soon. It's happening quick, and they're going to suggest you move over to, I think it's like in March. I'm looking for the exact date, but I think it's in March they're shutting down Picasso. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, March 15th. You'll be able to download until then. The app will continue to work, but come March 15th, no longer supporting it. And then the web album, so if you've published from Picasso, those are sticking around until May, uh, until May 1st. And then they're going down like uh, Daily Booth? I think, but I think there's also a way to move it over to Google Photos, so it's not quite as dramatic. Mumble Room, any thoughts on Google Photos or Photo Backup before we move in to our next phase of the show? 
Well, I think the Google Photos like yours is kind of creepy, and so <laughs> I don't opt for any of that Google stuff, and I've actually been using Picasa for probably 10 years. Oh, so and, how do you feel uh, about this? Well, it's kind of annoying. I mean, I guess as long, you know. You know what I'll I feel just... like is like if you if you didn't want to stick with it, you shouldn't have bought it. Yeah, I agree. Um, the one thing that's I use Picasa for is text. Uh, adding text to photos on Picasa is easier than any other program. GIMP, uh, Pinta, Paint.net, none of them work as well mm. as adding text. Mm. And um, that's what I use it for most of the time. I use apps. So you make memes of your pictures? Um, a little bit, um, not all the time, but I just like adding some text mm-hmm. pictures. Oh, sometimes are you talking about and... meta- metadata? Then? No, he means like adding a little description, oh, okay, yeah. a little thing in there. Yeah, yeah. Picasso like, does make actually, that super easy. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy, and um, none of the other you know shot well. None of them do it as well as Picasso does. So, Mister Inagogo, it was maybe your first photo manage- manager love, even if it was slow. Yeah, it was really slow. But um, on the Google on the Google Photos being slightly creepy, I I kind of only use Google Photos. For what, I don't let it automatically put my pictures up there, so it's only got images I allowed to be up there, so it's less creepy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's that was my uh, concern yeah, so about switching to photos. I feel like I feel like if I don't use the automatic backup, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I have it set to only backup on Wi-Fi, so it happens. You know, it doesn't use up like my data or anything like that. But right, and yeah, I don't know. I like to take pictures now and then go through them later, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. want everything being uploaded immediately. Yeah, I, I – see, so the way they – I don't have my phone down here. But the way they do that is uh, they – of course, it's Google, and they're trying to automate it for you a little bit. So when you uh, – when you up after you've done a big batch of uploads, they have this assistant section you go into. And the first thing it does is it pulls up photos from like a year ago, right? Or there's six years ago. Look at that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then it starts – then it's more current stuff. So then I can start saying, you know, hey, I've, I have – I have uh, – I, I put together some of these things for you. Would you like to? Uh, would you like to save it? Like, oh, there's kind of a cute GIF of Bailey and Hadia, right? So yeah, I'll save that one. Um, yeah, so so it kind of allows, allows you to go through and sort of review some of the more interesting things you've uploaded, and then it's like the idea is it just has stored everything else off in the unlimited Google storage, and then you can go retrieve it if mm, you want. Unlimited storage is good if you pay a certain amount. I see. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. All okay. right, Andrews, buckle up because guess what? It's time to kick it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This you, kick, I you have, intentionally did it just off of. Yeah, I did. Of course. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, I've I've prepared for this week's Kickstarter of the week. I'm very excited, Angela, because it comes from an ex Mozillian, and their team has has unveiled Sense, an intelligent, secure hub for the smart home. This is supposed to help sort of address some of the issues we have with Internet of Things or the smart home, like the Connect. Well, uh, yeah, if you, yeah, exactly. If you're concerned about privacy and off st- offsite stuff like that, so this is not a camera. No, it is not a camera, and it's meant to sort of allow you to take control and manage some of these things. Where, even though they all have different systems, and they have a Kickstarter going right now, it's got 85 backers. So it looks like a boxy box remote, remote? that is bended to kind of be curved like a phone. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like a, and it's and it's mounted on a nice piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I okay. I need to know more about it. Yeah, I don't I'm even... getting there. Okay, eighty five backers. Now they're going with a goal of a hundred k. Now they've only raised seventeen k. Eighty, eighty six backers yeah. now. Yeah, but only eighty six backers and eighteen thousand. It's That's got crazy. you know the guy behind it. He's got some serious cred, and uh, one of the things Mozilla is you know pretty well respected for is their open standards and 
consumer protection. So when they come out and say, hey, we've got an Internet, things, Internet of Things device controller that allows you to sort of maintain privacy and security and manage these things that are supposed to be unmanageable, well, it kind of got my attention, so I thought we'd take a look. Have you noticed that today's Internet of Things is bonkers? Turn on. That's because the idea of the Internet of Things is based on 100-year-old technology, the remote control. And with your personal information going into the cloud, it's certainly not secure. That's why we at Silk Labs developed Sense, the first product using our Silk platform. Sense is a beautifully designed, intelligent addition to our modern lives. It's the eyes, ears, and brains of your home and is powerful enough to run apps just like your smartphone. Sense runs apps locally, not in the cloud. So your private moments with your family are safe and secure. And we use hardware-based encryption to ensure that only your device can see them from anywhere in the world. Sense is unlike any hub or camera you've ever seen or experienced before. It's intelligent, predictive, and can understand, respond to, and adapt to our daily human needs. No more remote control. Raises the temp. (laughs) No more pointless notifications. Just action and reaction, when you need it, without lifting a finger. How does it work? Silk is a powerful platform for connected devices everywhere. Soon, you'll be able to run powerful Silk apps on a wide range of devices that work together because they will all be speaking the same language. Silk's programming framework was developed by the team behind Mozilla's Firefox OS, one of the few teams to have built a mobile operating system from scratch. Silk apps run directly on Silk-enabled products with simple APIs for computer vision, advanced hearing, deep learning, and user presence, you can easily create apps to make your life easier. If you can write JavaScript, you can write a Silk app. Soon we'll host an entire world of applications and extra abilities for Silk. We're excited to see what you come up with. Together, we can make the devices around us more human. Together, we can go from smart to intelligent. And together, we take full she advantage chips. of all the connected Mess technology around us. Robot vacuum com- Roomba comes out. Are all about. Did you also catch that when they got loud, it turned down the music when the baby started to stir? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Andreas, CEO of Silk Labs. Please join us in our mission to build the ultimate secure operating system for the Internet of Things by supporting our first product, Sense. Together, we'll bring intelligence to the devices around us so they can act a bit more intuitive, a bit more magically, a bit more human. We can't wait to explore the possibilities with you. Thank you. So That's pretty great. That's Sense. Uh, so from the people behind Firefox OS, and it is a device that communicates with all the other devices and controls them appropriately. It also keeps track of who's in the house yeah. and your dogs. Mm-hmm. And you can interact with it through voice and through gestures, which I thought was interesting. It's got a system built mm. built in to keep track of pets specifically, uh, filter out uh, extraneous notifications and just send you important ones. Mm. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's built on supposedly an open secure platform. What are your reactions? Mumble room. I hope it's going to be open source because if it's not, I, I still think that people should use OpenHab instead. Yeah, so OpenHab is like a software kind of version of this, right? You run on yeah. pretty much any hardware you want. Is that really cons- like if you want consumers to be protected and be able to have all this fancy new automated stuff, but not have to be subjected to having every single device have a cloud account and all of that? This is maybe a more consumer approachable. 
Oh my goodness! You could uh, incorporate alarm into this. Oh yeah, intruder. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, danger, danger. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You could. Uh, you could integrate with your home alarm system if your home alarm system is capable of it. Um, you know what would be a great marketing scheme is if they did like faux commercials, like where a guy's fapping yeah. in bed or something, and it's like <laughs> it starts playing like turns on the sexy music, turns down the light. Yeah, yeah. yeah like <laughs> I like that they reiterate privacy throughout. So once one setup. One touch setup leverages proximity and Bluetooth LE to securely exchange secret keys between sensors and your smartphone to enable end-to-end encryption. No one, not even us, not a hacker, not the NSA, has access to your uh, private moments. So they do Bluetooth LE to exchange encryption keys, which is interesting. Uh, it does look like a nice high-end piece of hardware. Uh, you can, you know, it really kind of would fit anywhere. Uh, I like the design of it. It's got a lens in there for a camera to get a. A wood backing, Ethernet yeah, connection. Yeah, I wonder, so they don't show, they do show that they can see from their phone, they can look at their baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, well, so the idea so, would be this itself has a camera, or uh-huh. if you have any other smart cameras on the network, ah. you can pull the feed in from that. Oh, okay, got it. it. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, like, is there a, pa- a paired yeah, device? Like, there's, like or... a, there's like some D-Links out there that are like 30 bucks mm-hmm. that are just like yeah. totally ready to go. Sweet. Although I think they have huge, horrible vulnerabilities right now. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they've, they've got a working prototype, and uh, as you probably guessed, a lot of it runs on Linux, which is particularly awesome. I like that a lot. So yeah, what do you think, Andrews? I that's pretty cool. So you want to know the prices? I like the idea of walking in a room and the lights turning on. Like that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, they must be expensive because with only eighty six backers, yeah, with eighteen thousand. Yeah, geez. so uh, for you can get it at a buck. You know, just to, yeah. to, to join the the the, the thing ha- making it happen, and then and then it jumps to two twenty five, and then it jumps to two twenty five, wow. and that's an early bird, one cents, hundred eighty three of two hundred left. Be among the first to own a sense. Our first product running Silk includes free mobile app, shipping free in the U.S. Well, estimated delivery Christmas twenty sixteen. But only seventeen people out of those eighty six chose that one, so they all yeah. wanted well two twenty five early bird one cents plus early Silk SDK access. 170 of 200 left, 225. What's an SDK? SDK is the software development kit, so you could create the apps for it. Oh. 249, one cents, but that's just because it's the regular price. Well, they're saying now, December 2016. Would you want to do the SDK thing, or would you just, like, they're going to obviously have an app store where you can download what other people have made. I think this is the early SDK because it is in their best interest. You make the SDK available to anybody that wants it, so then you get as much apps as possible. Oh, sure. But maybe the, if you want to get see. early, like you want to be one of the first apps, then you have to get their early SDK. I see. But yeah, hmm. you're, then you're really banking on this thing really taking off. All right. So anybody in the mumble room have any other thoughts before we make our judgment? Andrews? What is your verdict? Is it a is it a fund or is it? I mean, we're not actually. But would you would you recommend a fund? I think I would recommend a fund. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's a step in a good direction. All right, <laughs> victorious. <laughs> we'll have a link to that Kickstarter project, or you can go on Kickstarter and search for sense. And uh, wow, eighty nine. So three of you watching this show funded this while, yeah, we, this while is, we covered it. This is a, this is a whole one. This is a whole one. I tell you, they like it. They like it. Uh, yeah, this is the beginning. Totally our, this our is the beginning of the end. You all watch. All right, before we run, I'll talk about a little bit of crowdfunding you can do. The Jupiter Broadcasting Network needs your oh, support. No, 
you could totally program these lights yeah. to know what time and day oh, it could, is yeah. and which show. Oh, yeah. And so what color to have. Oh, yeah, oh my totally gosh. Could. There's yeah. a lot of things you could do. Oh, anyway, yeah. all right. Oh, yeah, for yes, sure. Let's talk about funding the network. Yeah. Patreon.com slash today. This is where we are raising crowdfunding for the network. So the idea would be, a couple ideas, is we want primarily one day to have this be the primary source of revenue for the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. That, to me, not only feels like a little more legitimate for you, so you know what sort of draws our attention, where our priorities are. But also, I like the idea that down the road, maybe we don't need new sponsors as time goes on. Something like that. There's a lot we could play with if we get your support at patreon.com slash today. And we have Linux Fest Northwest coming up, which is a massive undertaking for us. I cannot say that enough. It's a massive Mm -hmm. undertaking for us. We could really use your support as that ramps up. Patreon.com slash today. Help us build some runway, help pay our support staff, and help us invest in the future of the network. Patreon.com slash today. Invest in good content. What is it, Andrews? Also, it? I will be sending out swag level member swag next month. Mm. So, so if you got in successful February payments, uh-huh. uh, which gets for charged the at the level. end of February? Yes. Okay. So or like the first day of March. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So if you want to jump into the swag member, you'll be getting some. Yep. That's a good tip. Yes. Good tip. All right. So are you ready for my vision of home automation? This is what I'm holding out for. The <laughs> sense is cool. I'll give them that. And the open hab also looks really cool. This, my friends, I, I hope this is my version of home automation because it includes home protection. Very important. Emergency protective circuit activated. Warning. Warning. 